Hello and welcome to the Bikes or Death podcast. My name is Patrick and I'm your host. This is the show that talks about bikepacking, adventuring, and the cool people who participate. Um, on this episode, I sat down with Thomas Adams, who is mainly a gravel cyclist. I'm kind of releasing this as a, a special Dirty Kanza episode. Um, so Dirty Kanza was just, just this past weekend, and Thomas has a very special relationship with that race. Um, I don't want to give too much away. I want him to be able to tell his story, um, but I will tell you that three very significant life events happened for him at Dirty Kanza. Um, going into the interview, I was only aware of two of them, um, but I found out about number three on the podcast, and so will you. Um, so this was an interesting interview for me. I uh, happened to be up in the northwest Arkansas area on a family trip, and of course I was trying to pack in some podcasts as well, and um, I, I did uh, interview Hal Russell while I was there, and I'm really looking forward to releasing that one. Um, but I also, in the back of my mind, really wanted to interview Thomas um, just because of his relationship with the Dirty Kanza and you know the fact that it just was this weekend, like all the stars kind of aligned, and it really made sense that he and I talk. Um, but I didn't really tell him about that. I'd kind of tease the idea to him about recording a podcast, um, but we never really set anything up official. So um, I, I went over to his uh, house, and uh, we were just kind of hanging out, and uh, I kind of brought up the podcast and he was willing to, to, to chat. So it was very, very impromptu. I, I probably didn't, well, I didn't prepare at all. I mean, I had like an idea of what I was going to talk about in my head, um, but didn't go in with any show notes or anything like that. Um, and we were a couple of glasses of whiskey into the night already. Uh, so that's kind of where it picks up. So, um, Anyway, just keep that in mind as you're as you're listening. Uh, but Thomas's story is truly remarkable. I mean, if you look at what he was able to accomplish, um, it's it's mind blowing. Like I still don't really understand it. You know, I don't, I don't even think he fully understands it. At one point in the interview, he's like, "Wow, that was me," you know, kind of kind of deal. So, um, but a real quick note on his episode. Uh, we, he got a couple of the dates wrong. So just for clarification, uh, he built his first bike in 2014. And by the way, it's a fixie. So he just got into riding, decided to start with a fixie. I'll just leave that there. And then in 2015, he entered his first race, which was the Monka Chonka Bonka. So, um, Anyway, that's it for just tying up a few little errors. But like I said, a couple glasses of whiskey in, so, you know, it happens. Uh, and the other thing is, with this episode, the audio quality wasn't as great as I would like. Um, my apologies. Uh, you know, whenever you're on the road and you're setting up a mobile studio and you never know where you're going to be inside or outside or at a bar or in somebody's garage or, you, you know, I mean, like, there's just so many different environments and uh, good auto audio quality is really important to me and I strive really hard for that. But uh, even more important than that for me is good conversation, a good quality of content. 
And uh, so for me, I feel like that makes up for some poor audio quality. And I hope you agree. All right. One other note for Dirty Kanza is uh, our friend Lael Wilcox that was just on the episode last time uh, won the DKXL. She was the top overall female. So shout out to Lael. Another awesome performance. And uh, next up, she's headed to Banff to race the Tour Divide. And she's looking to take down the overall record, not just women, but the record. So, um, yeah, looking forward to see how she does on that. On the Patreon front, I just have to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I've received like a lot of new patrons in the last um, week. I calculate that I'm spending about 20 to 30 hours a week right now, uh, you know, recording, interviewing, editing, promoting, uh, just, I have a lot of ideas percolating that uh, I'm not ready to share yet, but all those things that I'm working on take time. And, um, and that doesn't even account for, you know, traveling to go meet guests and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, those contributions, help a lot. They help me justify all the time that I spend on the show and I absolutely love it, but it takes away from work and family and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, anyway, thank you to all the patrons. Um, if you're interested in supporting the show and you like the content on here, then I encourage you to please go over to Patreon. You can find me there at bikes or death. Another area that I've been very grateful is on the iTunes reviews. Uh, man, I've received like such great feedback on there. Everybody's giving it five stars and I'd really like to keep that up. So please head over there and uh, leave a five star review and leave a note if you want to. I I read them. I care. They make me feel good and they help people find the show, which is uh, what I'm really trying to do. I want to spread the word about bikepacking, conservation, outdoors, all the things we love, you know, so the more people that hear this show, the more we're going to be able to spread that information and put it out in the world. All right, guys, that's it. Let's get to the show. All right, I am sitting here tonight with Thomas Adams. Uh, you may know him on Instagram as the Chaco Bandit. Yep. Or uh, at Maker and Racer. So we're sitting in your shop right now. Like we're sitting where you create all of your masterpieces. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty pretty sweet, man. It I've is. been uh, following your Instagram for like a long time, and it's actually one of my favorites to follow along because <laughs> you like. It, I'm true. I mean, I'm being, I love work woodworking, you know, like I'm definitely like maybe when I retire one day, you know, and I have a lot of time on my hand and I can afford the time to fuck up a lot of furniture and eventually get it right. <laughs> That's how it is right now. <laughs> I don't think so. It's like uh, arts and crafts for grownups. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Your arts and crafts are at a level that mine, uh, there, there's a big gap between where I'm at it, where you're at. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I mean, it, it's pretty cool to actually be sitting in the shop where you make all your, all your, uh, pieces of furniture. Um, all right. So before I actually do want to talk about like maker and racer, but let's talk about you and bikes first. So like, okay, just basic rundown. When did you get into riding and how and why or, um, Okay, I think I started riding bikes either in uh, 
I started buying parts rather in late 2013. I would go into District Bicycles to see Bobby and uh, I would just drop $100 or $200 here. And uh, yeah, I was just trying to build up this frame that I had. It was a uh, blue chaparral. It's actually downstairs right now. It's all bent and broken. I got hit by a car. It was, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it was my first fixie. So I would go in and buy uh, just parts whenever I could. And then eventually we uh, built this thing up into uh, like a, f- a fixed gear gravel bike. Yep. Um, and that, I mean, after I got hit by that car, we just uh, pulled all of those parts off and put it on a surly steamroller. So why fixie? Oh man. Um, uh, you were just getting into it in 2013 and you went straight fixie. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was my first, uh, form of riding bikes. You went into district and they were like, yeah, you need a fixie. <laughs> this is what you need. <laughs> no, I don't know. You know, I don't know what they thought. Uh, I know that nobody else was doing that. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's kind of unheard of really. Like, uh, yeah, I didn't know anybody that was doing that. And then I, I had heard of this race called the uh, Trans Iowa, and I knew that. Uh, I, this is what started it all. Is like I heard of Trans Iowa, and uh, I, I mean, I still have yet to do it. I still, after riding like 200 miles, looking at 350, knowing, like having the experience that I have is like, man, that's that's a long way. Yeah, but you were on a fixie. <laughs> um, yeah. It, I, I don't know. Well, you don't know why you decided I, to go fix it. Well, I had my buddy had a bike. Um, it was just this old crappy one that I bought off of him. That was my first fixie. You know, it was like a street fixie. I painted it, like spray paint, rattle canned it, and then after that, I, whenever I could buy like real parts and get a real bike, you know, I made this like nice version mm-hmm. of that bike and. uh yeah, then I put like big knobby tires on it and uh everybody in Stillwater was like really into the gravel scene. So I I mean I I didn't know a ton of people. I I moved to Stillwater with knowing like a handful of people. You know, I went to school for a little bit, but uh yeah, I mean I Where'd you move to, from? Iowa or? Oh, uh, well, I lived in Durant, Oklahoma for the longest time. I grew up there. Okay, so uh, I graduated from high school there, went to college there for a year, uh, played tennis there. I uh, I had a girlfriend at the time, and then I moved to Colorado uh, for like six months. And that, good move. Yeah, that that was that was a great move for an eighteen year old. <laughs> uh, then I so I moved back um, and chose Stillwater instead of Durant because I knew people there and I didn't want to be in my hometown. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I started to get into the, the gravel scene a little bit. Um, that's yeah. crazy. When did you have your first geared bike? Uh, a couple months ago. No way. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, like, uh, I guess, <laughs> I don't know if that's true. You know, I, I had a, a surly Krampus. Like that was my, I didn't start riding mountain bikes until I uh, met Gabby and Gabby's family is like really into riding mountain right. bikes. And, um, so I bought this, uh, Krampus that I thought would be like my bike, my bike packing, uh, mountain bike. And mm-hmm. that's what I learned to mountain bike on. It was this really heavy mid fat 
yeah. rigid bike. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess that would be my first geared bike, but I didn't ride it for like long distance. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I've, I've always ridden single speed or, I mean, fixed gear for like three years on gravel. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Yes. Like that's usually something that people do, you know, they get into the sport, they have all the easy equipment that like helps them get into it. And then eventually they go single speed. And then if they're really crazy, they go fixie. And you were just like, ah, oh, fuck all that. I'm just going to go fixie. I don't Yeah. I don't know if I really like knew a whole lot about bike culture. It was all super new to me. Yeah. You know, I just, yeah I just, why, why did you even decide to pick it up at all? Um, that is a great question. You know, my first group gravel ride, it was a like drop race ride, which uh, eventually became a ride that I took over. It was turned into Wednesday night worlds. It was like a race hmm. for 25 miles every Wednesday. And, uh, yeah, I ended up getting lost. I, uh, I didn't have the right gear. I actually, uh, I used to wear vans and like toe straps out mm-hmm. on the gravel, you know, and that was like my way of stopping the bike. Like I didn't have a brake on my bike. So. Of course not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no gears, hardcore. no bikes like or brakes. Like what else? <laughs> um, well, I rode back to town after that and, um, I think I had just turned 21. So we all met up at the bar after that and, uh, just kind of talked and shoot the shit. Right. Yeah. I'd, so when did you like get interested in racing and what was your first event? My first event was this crazy race up in, man, I want to say it was Manhattan, Kansas. It was called the Manka Chunka Banka. <laughs> yeah. Crazy name. And it was, it was the craziest thing ever, you know? Um, so it was a hundred mile gravel race. I brought my fixie and that night it snowed so hard and we woke up to like 20 degrees and like a ton of snow. Mm -hmm. And, um, so they shortened this course to, uh, we were going to do the four, they had a 25 mile, uh, part of that event. So they changed it to four 25 mile loops as to not like keep us out in the middle of nowhere and like, right. I don't know. So it was a little bit more safe that way, a little bit more. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, uh, we ended up doing, um, two, two laps and I came in on the, uh, after the 50 and they, they had called the race because it was just snowing the whole time You know, it was snowing so hard. And I, I mean, I, my water bottles froze, my, uh, my, like goose froze my shot blocks froze i'd never seen anything like that i've never ridden in that i haven't either that's pretty wild like yeah i I mean i borrowed thermal bibs i had jackets on i mean i was like brand new if you had seen me out there like an eskimo well that and you'd be like why is this kid wearing vans and like no shoe covers (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was oh man it was actually crazy that was uh I love because sometimes those guys are terrible, but also sometimes they're like really good and they'll put you to shame, like not wearing the right equipment or not having the right bike and they just kick your ass. I think, I think that's kind of what kept me going, you know, it was like, uh, it was almost like a pride thing for sure. Being like, you know, you have all of these sponsors and all of these, all of this help and I'm like doing this on this most 
basic machine and like i'll keep up with you yeah like, i'll try to shred your face off and you <laughs> will probably beat me but i'm i'm not gonna give up i'm gonna make it hard for you though <laughs> that's a i mean that's seriously impressive so i know that um i i know a little bit of your story and you like got really intensely into like racing did when did that happen like um yeah i so that that was man 20 I want to say 2014 was the first year that I started really racing. And so Monkachanka started that off and I had this whole series that I was doing. It was called the Bone Shaker series. And there was like five races and I was trying to um, win the single speed category because they built up points over each uh, race. Yeah, And so yeah. I was trying to add up all those. Sure. Uh, I don't know. I'd never done it before. So that to me was like, oh, there's like a circuit. Like I want to be a part of that. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then it kind of led into land run. I, uh, how many single speeders were in that, uh, that series, the bone um, chiller? It was pretty small, you know, it, it was more of like a regional series. Like people from Kansas would come, uh, Oklahoma, uh, Texas even. Um, but most of the races were all in Kansas and they kind of all led up to, uh, the dirty Kansas. Okay. So they were like kind of sprinkled around Land Run and Dirty Kansas. They were kind of like the, they were still races, but they were more of like training races. Sure. So yeah. you probably had 100, 200 people in each race. Right. So you got to know everybody that you're racing with pretty well. Cool. Um, yeah. Then really, I think Land Run did it. You know, I, I mean, I was so nervous. I lined up. I had, uh, what year? 2014. Oh wow! Yeah, so I, I lined God, so up. So you're you've been riding bikes for one year at this point? Um, not not even not really. even a yeah, year. Yeah, I started probably that fall. I or well, it was yeah, probably September October. Yeah. I started wow. riding. All right, so getting less ready than for a year, run. and you're at Land Run. Yeah, man. I mean, I was so nervous. I had just started clipping in to my fixie too, probably like two weeks before land run. Yeah. Um, no brakes on the bike. Um, yeah. And, uh, I lined up, I had this, I had broken my elbow a year before that, uh, riding my razor scooter around. <laughs> yeah. I just like, I'll leave that one. Yeah. I'll yeah. Let you have that one. <laughs> and, uh, so I was like wearing this like weird, um, I don't know what company makes it, but I had an elbow guard on because I was so worried about crashing and like re-breaking my arm. And so I lined up for Landra and I had this goofy outfit on, like I'm like a damn stormtrooper or something ready to go in. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just remember lining up and it was raining so hard that Friday night before the race. And uh, the next day people, it was carnage everywhere, like, derailleurs were breaking people were getting stuck in the mud and i remember like my bike being fine because <laughs> i didn't have brakes i didn't have gears you know like it was just like okay i'm riding through this and it just felt like a a little bit more of a gradient that i'm riding up you know i have mm -hmm. mud like coming through my bike but i mean it's a steel bike with a steel fork like it was yeah fine i remember going through this crossing and bobby Wendell being like holy like Thomas, you're like, you're top 25. Whoa. <laughs> and I like, I remember that sticking out of my head being like, holy shit. Like I'm like 
what you know so after that start like, pedaling a little faster. yeah the rest of the day dude i just like left it out there and i remember do you remember what mileage that was out at whenever you saw him uh maybe 20 20 so it's pretty early on. yeah pretty early it's yeah. i mean 100 mile race but uh yeah. i remember getting to the uh halfway point and i stayed there for probably 15 minutes or more you know i i took my shoes off my socks off and you know, looking back on it, I'm like, this is part of that pride thing. I'm like, damn it, I could have won. <laughs> and it's like, I, don't, I mean, that doesn't matter, but it, well, <laughs> you're just, not there to lose. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It was my first like real race. You know, yeah. that was the first time I'd never ridden over. You didn't go miles. there to win. Yeah. And you know, yeah, I you just, just wanted to, to see what I could do. Yeah. yeah. I get that. Yeah. So I, did uh, you, lo- how much did you, or how much did you miss the leader by? Do you remember? Um, I came in third place that year. Oh my gosh. Um, I jumped, I jumped ahead. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I know, um, Scott Omara, Omara won that year. He's a big Kansas guy. He's from Emporia. Yeah. They're big, uh, long distance, like bike, they bike pack all the time now. Oh, cool. Yeah. So he won that year. Second place, um, uh, and I don't. I don't remember who got second place that year. I just, yeah, I remember. So you got third place overall and uh, you were on a fixie? Third single speed. Third third single speed. Yep. Okay. Yep. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, that that's really good for your first, <laughs> your first one. <laughs> and you've only been riding for less than a year at this point. Uh, yeah. I'm still trying to process all of that. <laughs> all right. So then what? <laughs> um, let's see. Um, 24. 15 i started trying to race again you know i picked everything up i did some of the bone shaker series again um still on the fixie um 2015 i did land run again um i got third uh, single speed again i actually had a sprint finish with the guy that got second oh cool yeah i caught up to him at one of the lights like in town. Oh and my gosh. He was, he, Oh, Jason Irwin was so mad. <laughs> and we just like looked at each other and we we're like, Oh well, fuck. shit. Like this is what we have to do. You know, it's like just part of racing. And, yeah. um, sometimes you got to gut it all the way out. Yeah. And he, he got me at the last corner and I, I just, I couldn't, you know, yeah. I, I got up to the finish line and we talked about it and hugged it out and, it's definitely one of those memories that I won't forget. I was like skidding into the finish line. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah it was, it's cool to be in the mix, man. It's cool to be in a sprint finish, you know, for something that matters. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, and that was like totally new to me, but, uh, Jason and I had raced part of the bone shaker series together. So like we kind of knew who the other was, but we had never really, uh, like talked or like, the the guys that you're coming in uh third to these first and t- second place guys are they like professional or sponsored riders so that year um just for reference the guy that won single speed in 2015 he just finished the DKXL today and his name's Andrew Strimke he got fourth place i believe today over overall in the dkxl so wow. he he has been one of my rivals for like as soon as i met him i'm like dude i just want to beat you like that was my goal mm-hmm. you know i want to beat you and every race that i went to 
Andrew beat me. <laughs> and I was just like, man, like this guy just always shows up. Like he's always so strong, you know? Wow. And now he like comes over and we'll go like ride trail. Like one time last year, we, me and Gabby went to uh, Arkansas just to meet him and Katie to go ride trail, you know? Yeah. But yeah, uh, he is uh, probably semi-professional. Um, he works at Garmin. Um, I wouldn't say anybody else is like real okay like pro i mean yeah. if you're in single speed then it's kind of like i don't know it's a little bit more chill those people aren't uh like super ultra pro yeah i gotcha yeah they're out there more just to push themselves and see yeah. how far they can go how fast i can go on i, th- less. I mean I, I think so yeah yeah well at least from your your perspective right so you brought up the dk the dk the dkxl so today is june 1st and we've kind of been leading up to this, but I really wanted to talk to you today because like today is the anniversary of like two fairly significant life events for you. Um, to put it mildly, I think. So the DK in 2016 was your first. Um, well, I, I think I, uh, I attempted it in 2015 on the fixie as well. Okay. And uh, I had a chain break, uh, but I was in a, pretty flat area um, my chain size was uh, one-eighth so it's pretty thick and I didn't have an extra link with me I actually uh, thought about it before I started the race and I was like I, I don't need that I have a brand new chain like yeah. my chain's not gonna break why would Ouch. it break you know and uh, I mean it it, it broke <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of those things that you know I just that's just part of uh, endurance races and being prepared and i was not prepared you learn from it you move on man what else can you do that's right yep um yeah and in 2016 is whenever uh, everything changed yeah yeah so what happened oh uh, well i again i went First, back yeah I, i'm curious like what your mindset was going into 2016 having come off 2015 with a bummer, like what was your mindset going into it? Were you like trying to win? Were you? Uh, I just wanted to set the fix gear record. Fix gear record. Yeah, I, I kind of had an idea of what it was. This guy Chad Amint, had the record, and it was it was on record, you know, because uh, he had set it the year before, and uh, I was like, okay, well that's my time to beat. Like I, you know, I think I can beat it. And he had posted it on Facebook. He said whoever beats my fixed gear uh, record, I will buy them like a six pack of beer, you know? And I was like, yeah, okay, I want well, that. <laughs> somebody tagged me in it. And I was like, Oh yeah, I can, I can do that. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that morning all nerves, you know, like it is before a race. And I ended up riding with, uh, Bobby Wendell and Seth Wood out of district bikes, uh, made it through the first checkpoint. That's actually where my like only, picture is uh, is me coming into the first checkpoint and i look pretty throttled but i i don't know i'm going and got out of the first checkpoint um i got to this place called texco hill it's uh mile 66 and actually uh seth wood told me later that he looked down at his garmin at the time and it said (laughs) 66.6 take that how you will um and yeah, I, it's this crazy descent, um, really rocky and I mean, it's the Flint Hills. So, I mean, it's Flint rock. It's really sharp and 
I had been keeping up. I, <laughs> I had just been trying to keep up with Bobby and Seth. You know, I wanted to ride with them, and I, I mean, I, I definitely wanted to beat them. You know, um, I mean, were they from, on geared? Yeah, bikes? they they were riding their cutthroats, and okay. actually, they were getting ready for the uh, tour divide. Cool. So they were that were, they were riding that, and then they were straight from the DK. They were headed up to Banff to leave for the. That's tour. awesome. So, uh, yeah, we were, I was riding with them, you know, I, I'm sure they weren't going like super hard. Uh, I, I definitely was cause I wanted to beat that record and yeah, I came over this hill or what I think is it's either right next to Texaco Hill or it's the descent is Texaco Hill. But yeah, I started to, uh, try to slow down and, uh, I mean, to slow down on a fixie with no brakes, you know, you kind of have to like lock your legs and that locks the chain and it puts a lot of tension on, on the chain. Okay. How does, how does that work? I wanted to ask you like, how do you stop without brakes? Um, I don't don't understand. (laughs) So I've been having some knee issues stopping. So you're kind of pedaling, you know, and I'm right foot dominant. So with my right leg forward, I would kind of uh, pull up uh, when you're clipped in you know, you can kind of pull up and push down with your left, depending on what you're dominant with. And, uh, that's how I would stop. But after a while, it just takes a long time to slow down. uh, It takes longer than, uh, like actual breaks. You know, you can like kind of pump it. And that's what I would do is I could hop a little bit. So if you hop and do that at the same time, Uh. you actually slow down a little bit faster. So you hop, do that when your tires are suspended in air mm-hmm. so they come to a full stop yep. and then you hit and your the tires are stopped so yep. it, okay so i think uh well what i know happened was i did that and my chain broke and so i'm going downhill i don't know upwards of 35 miles an hour and uh i'm trying to stop i can't stop and i tried to make myself stop you know you you're just not thinking whenever that happens you know like i i was like do i i, I mean you obviously you put your foot in the rear tire and i think i i woke up with like a bloody toe so i think i probably put it in the front wheel but, yeah and so i just i don't i don't remember what happened you know i just remember uh waking up <laughs> and uh yeah, Seth was pulled over at the time. I think he was either messing with a flat or he was like eating or I don't know. He he was right there and witnessed it all. And he said that I I flipped over the bars, I got up and tried to like pick my bike up or pick myself up and then I just collapsed. Oh my gosh. So like I yeah, I don't know. I just remember waking Dude, up. Dude, that's crazy. Your body like your mind was gone or whatever, like you don't, but your body, you had trained it to be like, this is what we're doing. We're riding dirty Kansas or yeah, dirty Kansas. And, uh, you crash your, you have a concussion and like your body just keeps trying to go. Yeah. I, I mean, I, man, it was crazy. I, uh, yeah, I woke up and, uh, people, I was just surrounded by people and my, my brain felt like scrambled eggs. If that makes sense. Like I could not form, like I could think, you know, I kind of like had some cognitive ability, but I couldn't talk. 
I couldn't like, I, I just couldn't do much of anything. I could look around, you know, and I felt like my eyes were like rolling around and this guy was like holding my head and telling me not to move. And just like, I was like, well, I like, I, I started reaching for my mouth, you know, cause I felt a tooth and I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta get this tooth out, you know, so I can keep racing. I gotta get up and like, <laughs> I'm okay. I'm fine. You know, like I'll, I'll just brush it off. Like wrecks happen, you know, I would just get wow. up and keep going. But yeah, he was like, don't move, don't move. And, uh, then he like, kind of like did a finger swab of my mouth pulled out this tooth and like threw it into this field <laughs> and, uh, which one is it i'm trying to see if i can it's like down in it's one of those yeah it's a fake yeah. oh i don't I, they sewed my jaw oh, like together okay yeah it was my whole bottom palate was shifted uh, and, oh, and, your bottom jaw like came separated. Yeah, I, I broke in three places. I broke it on each uh, side of the jaw, and uh, then like it split down the middle. So what sounds like it happened was I flipped over the bars, hit chin first on solid flint, mm. and uh, tried to brush it off, and then <laughs> collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. It's just flesh wound. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a little bit more than that. All right, so then what happened? When did um, you die? Oh, man. So that is debatable. Um, you know, people... I just remember being really warm, being really at ease, and... Uh, man, just, like, being okay with it. And... Uh, I don't know, all of a sudden, I just started not being okay with it. And just being like, I don't know, like like fighting a little bit. Um, sorry, that's all right. It's strong memory. Um, and maybe a little bit of whiskey, but <laughs> no, I, we can blame it on the whiskey. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just remember just waking up, you know, and people. There were a lot of people around like a lot of people people just i mean bobby was there and seth was there and thankfully one of the guys that was holding my head you know um schmitty was a i mean he's a doctor or i don't know if he's a surgeon or a doctor but i mean that falls in medical practitioner he, he, but yeah. he had some understanding that you need yeah, to be stabilized yeah i need to not move my head and not reach for my teeth <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you know i i don't know i don't know how to explain that it's just uh, definitely, what's a NDE, like a near-death experience. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, just feeling weightless and like feeling, I don't, I can't really describe it. I can't imagine that you would. I mean, yeah. It's weird. Like it's, how do you, yeah. And even really that, that you've experienced it, it's like, I bet that you're still trying to quantify what happened. Like I had a, an experience that happened to me when I was 21 and I went, um, so I, I grew up in Texas, but like never went to the beach, like never went to the beach. And at 21, like I finally go to the beach and I'm like, all right, I'm going to swim way out there where the waves are breaking, like, you know, hundreds of yards into the ocean. And I get out there and all of a sudden, like the waves start crashing on me and then sucking me down. To spin you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got caught in a wash machine and I remember, like, I remember 
being very cognitive of like what was happening. I was like, I'm fucked, you know? And yeah. like, it just kept beating me down. I was swimming as hard as I could. And eventually like, I remember just like, okay, the back of this wave is the last thing I'm ever going to see. Like, I just, I gave up, you know, like I just didn't have any more and I got sucked under and like, I don't know what happened to this day. I still can't figure it out. All I know is that I was way out on the shore or way out in the sea or ocean or whatever. And like, next thing I know I'm walking in like calf high water up to the beach and my girlfriend was sitting there sunbathing the whole time and like watched the whole thing happen. And I got back to the beach and I started like, I was hyperventilating and I was like yeah. throwing up and like, I mean, I was, when like, you know, freaking you know, out, right. Yeah. That's so apparently I, uh, my body like reset, right? Like I hit so hard that I started going, I started having seizures. Like I hit so hard that my body just like I threw up. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, they said I threw up, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, they had me on my side and God. I don't remember any of that, but do they tell you how lucky you are to be alive? You know, do you, you know, you always they, see in like TV shows like, Oh, you had a 10% chance or whatever. I don't, I guess uh, Gabby got this phone call while I was out there. She was my support that year. And uh, she got this call from Bobby. And the first thing that he said was, Thomas is uh, like breathing. You know, he's okay, but he's, I mean, he's breathing, you know, so. He's not okay, but he's breathing. Yeah. (laughs) I I was probably out for like five or 10 minutes. You yeah. know, uh, yeah, you know, it's not good when they're like, he's breathing. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's like the positive thing you can say. Yeah. Wow. I'm like shaking right now. <laughs> well, wait, okay. So you obviously got rocked about as hard as you can get rocked. Yeah, like and Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, like punching you <laughs> at the same time, nine <laughs> rounds, you come out. What was, I mean, you're here right now. You're, you're okay. As far as I can tell, your face is pretty much put back together. Uh, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, what was recovery? Like, what was life like for you? Like um, you woke or you, you know, you're in the hospital. Like what was, what was your life like after that? So I got, um, what, like medevac, medevited out of the course. They picked me up in a helicopter and took me to uh, Wichita. Um, I was awake for all of it. You know, they, they I, I even remember them putting me in the MRI machine and asking me my, uh, my phone number and I mistaked it with my social security number. <laughs> and I was like, no, wait, that's my social security number. Like, I remember that. Like I, remember i was able to distinguish between the two but um yeah i have some pretty major back pain every day still um my jaw hurts occasionally um well okay i don't think we even talked about like what happened to you other than you broke your jaw in three places so maybe we should just start like with i mean what what was the damage from that um crash well the jaw um my back uh just like right in between my shoulder blades took a lot of it you know like i scorpioned over over the bike oh. like i hit the ground and just crumpled the your wrong feet way. came over your back right and hit in front of your head yep oh, i God. have some scars some pretty major scars on my knees they thought that i like scarred it to like all right dug it to the bone right. you know so they they were actually like really worried about it and they were looking at my knees and stuff and i was like no it's you know it's 
that's not the issue here. You know, like I, I can't fucking eat. <laughs> you know? Like I can't even really talk to you. Like I was kind of just like this weird, like predator looking guy. Like it's just like, <laughs> um, did that bother you? Um, a little, you know, I was worried about my pretty face. I, I guess, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like I just remember coming home and being like super swollen and I'd be like, man, like I don't know if I'll ever look, the same again yeah dude, that's that gonna I, be like, crazy like, like you had you didn't know what you were gonna look like on the other right. side yeah i just remember looking in the mirror and being like man like i'm <sighs> really fucked up <laughs> yeah i saw the pictures on your instagram you know i mean i don't know if those those were pretty raw i mean they were in the hospital you're in the bed yeah they're pretty graphic images like yeah. your face was totally rocked and sausage yeah dude i wouldn't even yeah you don't think i mean it's not a vain thing it's just like dude i'm used to 20 whatever years like waking up and looking at the same face and then like you don't know if you're gonna like what face you're gonna wake up and see or sure whatever. I, I mean I, you, I have scarring and stuff uh, dude your face looks dude you're hot <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, dude, I mean honestly like I, there's no way anyone just looking at you, you could tell that you had your oh, the face. scars that character I'm like uh, Bradley Pitts that's right Pitts yeah. or Pitt? <laughs> <laughs> Pitts is like brother that nobody talks about or something <laughs> yeah i think I, I mean that's it i i roll my back out like every day if i'm standing for too long like working on a project or something you know i have to take breaks a lot just to go inside and roll it out and it pops like crazy like does it bother you to ride um actually no that's awesome. um you know i think with my arms suspended like that like it's almost like a kind of like a push-up position just mm -hmm. being on like that type of bar and it really um it's not as bad as you might think right on you know, it actually feels more comfortable for me to ride than to do any thing like that was day your gift that was your gift from like going through all that you're like well at least i can still ride <laughs> hey well that's like okay how long did it take to recover until like you were riding your bike again and what was that first ride like? Were you like scared shitless or? I was scared. I was terrified. Yeah. I, well, so I had only had my fixie. I had my fixie and my Krampus at the time. So, um, you know, I wanted to start riding again, but, uh, my first ride after that was in late August. I wanted to come back up to, uh, Kansas and I did the, uh, the Lunar Kanza. It's a fun ride at night, and it is. Uh, it's fifty miles. It goes out to the. Uh, they have these uh, phone towers. I forget what it's called out there. And uh, um, yeah, you just ride out there, drink some beer, and come back, and that's nice. just like a big uh, party in the evening. You said it was in October. I, I think it was August. August. Okay. So, I mean, I did not have a good time out okay, there. Okay, wait. June 1st, you wrecked. July and then August. You're already back racing. Uh, Well, that was a, it was a ride. It was a okay. fun ride. And, yeah, I, I still had uh, braces on at the time because like, my jaw was wired shut. And I still, I still had those on. But I wanted to ride and show the Emporia community those friends that I have up there that hey like I'm I'm okay like I'm on the up and up I'm, yeah like I'll get there you know but I'm sure they were like real supportive of you so like you wanted to go and 
yeah maybe show some appreciation that's exactly yeah, yeah that's exactly right like i showed up and uh i ended up riding my krampus uh there and gabby had to wait on me a lot mm. like i i got to this one turn and i was like i don't know if i can do this you know um but we got through it and made it back had some pulled pork sandwiches and beer and <laughs> that made it worth it <laughs> so, oh man yeah. the food and beer always make it worth it what that's is right it about that the, like <laughs> it's such a powerful draw when so, did you decide you were going to ride dirty kanza again because i mean i know that you went back i knew that day in the hospital i was coming back how i just that first day the day you wrecked yeah i i mean leland and the dirty kanza crew came and saw me in the hospital and i was like man like i I have to come back and you, and you know, like to this day, I, I still think about, obviously they made a new rule for me specifically, <laughs> but it, I mean, it goes across the board that you have to have brakes on your bike, but yeah. uh, you know, there hasn't been a fixed gear record since, uh, uh, Chad did it. So, you know, I, I mean, one you're day, still out there for that six pack. It's in the, <laughs> you owe me six pack, man. No, it's in the, it's in the back of my mind, you know, maybe one day and it might, I might not be going as hard. It might just be like as hard as I need to go to like set a record, but that, I mean, that's years away, you know, it's not really a priority anymore or I don't know. It's just kind of like, I, I ride my fixie or I used to ride my fixie around town to commute same bike, same bike I wrecked on, you mm-hmm. know, I rebuilt it and, uh, yeah, that was my work commuting uh, bike has a brake on it. <laughs> um, flat bar, uh, no toe straps. Just, I want to go see this bike when we're done. Yeah. Yeah. It's down in the basement. <laughs> yeah, I need to check it out. Um, what's that bike's name? It is shadow facts. Shadow facts. What is that? What's that for? Shadow Facts is Gandalf's uh, magical steed from Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. It, yes. It is the fastest horse in um, that. All of Middle Earth? Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be the fastest horse. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We just read uh, uh, The Hobbit with my nine-year-old daughter as oh, a family. So. Yeah. You're a nerd. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am. I mean, I'm uh, definitely a bike nerd, but no, uh, man. Love, yeah, I love yeah. books, too. The the bike was white, and I had this uh, decal of a horse, so I put that on there, and then I kind of, like, turned the horse into... I, like, painted the rest of the name on there, calligraphy-style Shadow Facts. Awesome. That was Shadow Facts. I can't yeah. wait to check that out. Yeah, it's, it's a... So you're sitting in the hospital. Era. You know you're going by, back... What was a road to recovery like to get back to Dirty Kanza the next year? And I mean, um, I, it couldn't have been like easy walk in the park. I knew that I wanted to race. I knew that I wanted to. I'd never finished Dirty Kanza. You know, I'd gone twice. Both yeah. years I'd broken a chain. One year I ended up in the hospital. So, you know, like that was. You had to get that monkey off your back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just like addicted to the idea of finishing that race. I, it was like compulsive. It was like this thing that took over. And like, all I could think about was training and getting back there. And I don't know. How how did Gabby respond to that? Was she real supportive or was she? Yeah. Yeah, she was. Um, yeah, she was 
I think excited for me, nervous for me. Um, she was always telling me to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you're telling yourself to be safe all the time too. I mean. For the most part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I actually, after the wreck, you know, I tried to go out and ride the fixie again. I rode it one time after that on gravel and, uh, I was like, man, it, it had a break on it, but I was like, man, like, how did I do this? How did I keep up with everybody on this? Like, how did I, how, how did this even, how was this even a thing? Yeah. You know, it's like, I look back on it, you know, and those two land run finishes are something that I'll always have, you know, and it's like, maybe it's prideful, you know, but I know that nobody else will ever do that. And it's something that I know that I can tell my kids and be like, you know, like, this is what I did whenever I was, you know, I don't want you to do this, but like, I don't know. Like it's, I like a lot of things, you know, you're like, you can't look bad in front of your family. (laughs) So it's, yeah. I mean, I think there, I mean, I have kids and whenever I did the 500 mile race, my kids and my family were a big part of the reason why it pulled me through, you know, cause what do you want to do? Go home and tell your kids a story about how you quit. You know, you don't want to tell that story. You want to sure. talk about how it was hard, but you figure out a way to get through it. And you know what? You can do the same thing. I mean, that's the story that you want to tell. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what that is. I don't, I don't think it's prideful. I think it's, you want to show that you can do it. And if you can do it, then they can do it and you can show them how, and that's, they can lean on you. That's been my whole mantra, man. Like I, I used to try to be pretty inspirational on the Instagram, but it was mostly because like I wanted to show people that I'm normal, you know, and I'm so fucking normal that I want to show you that you can do this too. Like it's not like, I mean, if you want to ride bikes, like you can, if you work hard enough, you can beat those sponsored people. You know, you can be something more than just Patrick Farnsworth, you know, and, and I'm, I know that you're a great guy just from the few times I met with you, but you know, it's like, if you want to, I mean, I don't know how to describe it. The whole dirty Kansas thing is to find your limit, you know? And for me, like I had never done that. So like, I didn't know what my limit was. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just wanted to train really hard and leave everything, everything I had out there. And that's every race that I had done up to that. Like I would just totally destroy myself out on the race course. So let's start with, uh, dirty Kansas 2017. What happened, man? I mean, you went in obviously with, with um, the ax to grind. Like, yeah, I have been working really hard. You know, that was my whole goal was to just finish. You know, I wasn't concerned with other people. I, I mean, at least I tried not to be, I wrote about in that blog post about this guy that was, uh, lined up next to me and he was wearing like a fucking tri suit and had like skinny 28s oh, wow. and I'm like man like what do you, why are you why are you here like you you just you just took somebody's spot that is actually prepared you know and i, I don't know then i just kind of that fired you up well a little bit then i just started thinking you know like i'm not here to 
I want to race, you know, like I want to stand next to these people and like have my own name, but I'm not here to compare myself to uh, these people. So yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I, I remember rolling out, I lined up close to the front, not all the way in the front. I lined up where I thought I probably should be. Um, I remember seeing the guy that beat me early on. He, uh, he was like, Oh man, like, uh, my, my buddy Ted King is up there. I got to go say hi to Ted and uh, (laughs) go like, uh, just say hi before the race starts. And we were all, we were riding at that point. Addison, uh, took off and hung on to that lead pack and I never saw him again. Mm. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So I, yeah, I just, uh, I just remember the race, you know, we, there was a, a pack of probably six or seven of us single speeders. Uh, Addison was off the front. There was another guy, um, a Watts Dixon. He was off the front a little bit as well, but he was behind Addison. And I just remember everybody, I just started losing everybody, you know, and it was a really, really fast year. We pulled into that first checkpoint at like 19.6. Um, uh, mile, average mile per hour? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, On a fixie or a single speed. Single speed. Yeah. Well, <laughs> all of us did. So there was like a group of yeah. six or seven of us. That's that, mind blowing. And we were all just chilling. We were like chatting and talking and we were like doing whips off stuff. I remember this one guy, he just like, <laughs> he hucked off this like a rock in the middle of the road and like did like a little tail whip and stuff. And I was like, man, we were like, we're a crew. We were yeah. like just hanging out, you know, and, um, just riding your bike. Yeah. It was really fun. You know, it's that kind of communal stuff that like makes gravel really special. Um, at least until later on in the day, <laughs> I don't know, even then it's probably still nice to talk to these guys, but yeah, I started looking around and I'm alone with geared riders and I pull into the halfway point and this guy Watts is like, we're two and three right now. Yeah. He's riding single speed and I'm riding single speed. So he rides side by side and into the checkpoint and I take care of my stuff. And then I'm like, I just kind of couldn't believe it. You know, like I was like, Holy crap. Like I'm in second or like, I mean, I, I want to take second because he's, I don't, I don't want to be third. You know, <laughs> he says two and three. Uh, I'm, Damn well, sure no. coming in second. I'm two, you're three. <laughs> yeah, yes. that's right. <laughs> no, so uh, yeah. After that, I just remember um, me, Watts and I stayed together until checkpoint three, and uh, I was riding with former champ uh, Dan Hughes, and I, I remember rolling up on him. He's like a four-time Dirty Kansas champion, and I remember riding like catching him and being like, holy shit, like Stan Hughes, you know, like, am I, am I like riding outside of my capability? Like, am I doing something stupid? You know? And, um, yeah, I just remember rolling in, um, them still like them telling me that I'm still in like second, you know, and I'd lost Watts, um, into that last checkpoint. And then I started having flashbacks. Yuri uh, Oswald is like a kind of like a big inspiration of mine. Do you know? I don't know who he is. So Yuri won in 2015 
he won from coming in second. He, he was in second for the longest time and then had a comeback from 30 minutes behind oh, wow. the leader and caught him and ended up sprinting the guy and winning. And so I was like, man, like I could win, you know, like I, I could come back just like that. If I work hard enough in the, this last 40 miles, like I could, like that could happen. You know, I could be like that. And, uh, long story short, that did not happen. <laughs> um, but no, I, I just rode my face off for the last of that. And just remembering like, I, I just kept thinking Watts was going to come up on me, you know, and I would end up like at least third, you know, and still for me, like that was kind of like mind boggling. I had no expectation going into the race other than like, I just want to, yeah, I just want to finish. I want to leave everything that I am out there and just find out who I am. What happened at uh mile 66.6 that third year that you tried it when you're like oh, i flipped down. it off actually Did you? i do remember that yeah i started riding by it with a big smile i uh obviously i'm freewheeled so i can uh i can break with my hands uh yeah big smile uh bailey newbury was riding with me he just let me go there and have my <laughs> own experience and he uh i mean he knew he knew my story and stuff and uh yeah he just I remember passing it. I looked over left at that spot and I was just like, so at that point, like your third attempt, that was the furthest you'd ever made it. That's the furthest. Yeah. Yeah. So like 66.7 miles, it's all new gravel. That's right. That's yeah. And were, after were you like, did that like, uh, it spurred me for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was all new. You know, I didn't really know what to expect. I felt like I, and I did, I put in a lot of, uh, prep time for that. I was writing like 20 hours a week. Like it was like a part-time job at that point. You know, yeah. like I, that's, I, it was like this compulsive part of me. Like I just needed to get through it. And, uh, I remember, Oh man, there are so many highs and lows of the dirty Kansas. It's like, I don't know. You think that you're through a section and I kept thinking that we were at the furthest point South because we had this headwind and then I kept turning right to go South and I was like, Oh shit. Like it's never ending, you know? And then we would finally go North to go back to Emporia and it was like all tailwind and that was a very uh, special day for me. Yeah, I, you know, I've uh, I've seen the pictures of when you finished that year, and uh, it, I mean, it's a powerful picture. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> what was it like to cross, man? I mean, for real, like, I mean, um, I lost it. You cared. I mean, you cared. You know, you yeah. put everything to be there to finish. You know. Yeah, it was. It was everything to me. Like everything. Yeah. Yeah. Were you proud of yourself? Um yeah, I think so, man. Um I don't know hey, it couldn't be, I guess, but I didn't really know what to think. I was just bawling. <laughs> I was bawling <laughs> like miles out of town. Really? Yeah. 
I could see town, you know, and like I wrote about being like, you know, it's over, you know, but it's still not over, you know, like I could see town, I could hear the crowd. Um, but, uh, how many miles out did you know that you had second place, like in the bag? Do you I remember? didn't, I didn't, you never knew. I didn't know. I kept looking behind me. Uh, even under the tunnel you cross so you were crying and <laughs> looking basically back. <laughs> yeah i oh man i remember i remember making it to campus and that, i think that's when i knew i made it to campus and there is this woman sitting in her truck with her kids and being like you did it you made it and she she didn't know my story she didn't know who i was but yeah in that moment i just lost it wow <laughs> yeah it's just like I just remember I cried the whole way down, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is crazy. I remember just crossing the line and, you know, the promoters cried. Like Leland, I mean, Leland, he's a good friend of mine. You yeah. know, he came to the hospital and I mean, he, uh, he knows, he knows everything that I had been through. Man, when you ever you push yourself to the limit. You said you wanted to find out who you were. I think you probably cry because you found out that you were tough, you know, that you can get smacked in the face at 35 miles an hour by Flint rock and you can go to the hospital and you can say, fuck you to that hill, you know, a year afterwards and you can cross that finish line. Like, you know, you proved it to yourself that you could do it. It's pretty cool. Thanks, man. It's really neat. So what's it like to, um, I mean, today's the anniversary, man, and you're obviously emotional and I didn't mean to like put you on the spot necessarily, but today's the perfect day to like talk about, you know, this, this experience that you've had, this journey that you've been on. Sure. So today or this year you decided to take a step back. Yeah. Um, you know, Gabby and I really wanted to be there today. Um, we just financially couldn't make it over there. You know, we had just moved here to Arkansas and, uh, I don't know, we're getting married this year. I started a business, uh, just with all of that, I, I didn't have time to train. And, you know, honestly, I don't know if I really had the heart to train this year. Um, yeah. I kind of did what I set out to do. Um, yeah, you did. So I, I don't know. I, like I, I raced dirty cans last year and it just felt different, you know? Um, like I, I made it to a hundred miles and, you know, maybe I could have gotten through my knee pain, but it just wasn't as important to me last year. Yeah. And so like, I, I don't know. I, That's you know, okay, man. you can't, you can't always have that heart. You can't always like like push you know even i had ridden a lot last year you know i i thought that i was in as much shape as i was in 2017 but i don't know you know i just kind of space wasn't right or yeah you weren't away in it. I, I was just kind of i love gravel you know i love the people but as far as like training you know and spending 20 hours on the bike and trying to work a job and pay your bills and not being like a real pro <laughs> it's that's hard yeah yeah so exactly. yeah, i just kind of got burnt a little bit you know but 
today just like watching everything i was like man i i have major fomo like <laughs> i really want to at least be there to support the event or like i like wanted to like a lube a chain like so bad you know and just say hi to people or yeah i don't know i man i love emporia i love people they're you so know, nice. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that because it's not going anywhere. You can go back next year. Right. You know, right. like if, if it takes a year off and you're like, it gives you that perspective of like, okay, well now you know what it's like to sit on the sidelines and watch it, you know? And so now you'll have that, you know? And so, you know, I think, you know, life, life goes like this, you know, it's ups and downs That's and right. you, you take it as it comes and you can't race that hard every year. Dude, you can't, you can't, it's so hard wonder how many people like have really gutted themselves out to that extent you know like push themselves to the absolute limit or the, the the that limit right there because one thing i've learned is like your limit is always a, it's a moving target sure. right like you're like okay well that was my limit last year but now i have a new limit and it's just going to keep growing but I mean, that's how you get better is you push those limits you find out who you are and how far and how far you can go so you know, your story isn't over, man. You're still a, you're still a young guy, man. My, I I've talked with Gabby, you know, and I think my real goal is by the time I'm 40 is to, uh, have it. And I, I don't know what the future holds, you know, but I, I would really like to hold a top 10 spot at the dirty Kansas. That is my end goal. You know, I, I used to say that I wanted to win it, and that is with all the pros that are showing up with, I mean, it's growing every year. Um, I, w- I would like to say that I, well, you know, I, I know that I will do it because I believe in myself. Man, that's awesome. I believe you will. No doubt. I mean, you've proved to yourself that if you, dude, it just all needs kidding? to come together. You know, you wrote, started writing in 2013 you went through all that adversity and then in 2017 you came back and got second place. You know I mean? What else, what else do you need to prove to yourself? You know that you can. Lots. Oh. <laughs> what? I mean, that's life, man. You gotta, you gotta grow. You, you gotta, gotta keep proving it maybe, but like you've already shown that you can. So now it's just a matter of like, keep proving it that you can continue to keep doing it. Sure. Yeah. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. And talk about maker and racer. Do you think we did a good job with uh, the Chaco Bandit? <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, I, sorry, I got a little teary. <laughs> no, I, I mean, dude, it's it's an emotional thing, and like, I didn't mean to like put you on the spot by talking to you today, but like, what better day to talk to you? I just happen to be in town, and today's the anniversary of two of the biggest life events that's probably ever happened to you. So. Oh, I also. Uh, yeah, I asked Gabby to marry me last year at Dirty Kansas too. You so. did? Yeah. Oh well, shit! Crazy. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell that story. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gabby was racing the Dirty Kansas X XL Extra Large, I guess. And, yeah. Uh, she got. She was uh, one of the last three riders in. Um, so it took her 36 hours. We were the last people there waiting for her to come in. Did it on a single speed. So the next day, I had had this whole thing planned out with Christine Leland, you know, like I have been talking to them since like December. I was like, okay, like I, I'm going to ask Gabby to marry me, but I don't really know when. And then I kind of had this idea of being like, you know, people have asked 
there are others to marry them on the finish line. But you know what people can't copy is asking them at the award ceremony. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, right. So we opened up the award ceremony with, I had this slideshow of, will you marry me? Um, I took pictures of all of my friends holding up each sign. You know, it said like, will was, uh, the district community. Um, you was Gabby's, uh, parents, you know, cause they're kind of you, they're like, they are her and Mary yeah. was, I had my, uh, my good friend and, uh, his wife and her daughter, their daughter, uh, hold Mary cause they're in my mind, you know, they're like the ideal marriage to me. I took a picture of, or had Gabby's parents take a picture of me at the finish line of dirty Kansas last year of me holding up the me sign. And then they took, they took those four pictures and played them at the beginning of the ceremony and Gabby, I, we struggled to get her ready for the ceremony. I was like, okay, we have to like, we have to be there. We have to go, <laughs> so you know, I like, go. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I mean, she had slept like five hours. Can you blame her? Uh, you no, know? I can't at all. <laughs> yeah. So I, we woke her up, left where we were and got her to the award ceremony. And then, um, she was kind of like zoned out and we like got there early so we could sit up front so I could like get handed the microphone, you know? And, mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, Leland handed me the microphone and I, I had this whole speech that I wanted to like say to her that I had been going over for weeks and hours up, like leading to that. And then yeah. Rebecca Rush was like, just ask her. <laughs> I was like, I just lost everything. I lost everything that I wanted to say. And, uh, I mean, I got, I got the gest of it out and yeah Gabby, uh, she said yes and you know That's so I mean, cool. yeah probably the most significant life things that have happened have happened to me at dk wow it's a very special place for me i didn't know about the marriage man that's pretty or the proposal you know whenever you propose it's like you just black out anyway <laughs> uh yeah in front of thousands of people i yeah. was like holy uh, crap i said Ladies and gentlemen, there's someone I'd like you to meet. You know, this is my future wife. Yeah, this is the love of my life, Gabby Shelton. You know, and uh, she had no idea and she started freaking out, you know. And then I kind of I asked her and then removed us from everything. I just kind of like took her and ran outside real quick and just so we could like actually talk about it and be together for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did she say yes in front of everybody? She did. Okay, good. Yep. And then you like, and I didn't drop her. the ring. <laughs> <laughs> and then you like took her outside just to be like, okay, we're like really getting married, right? You weren't just saying that because we we're in front of a bunch of people. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's a great story though. I mean, like truly that's a, that's a great story. So what are you doing now? You took a year off and yep. you started maker and racer. Yep. Uh, what the hell dude? How do you go from, a non-professional awesome bike racer to woodworking um yes (laughs) (laughs) i was kind of a giant leap um i worked for a company out of stillwater called jb camera designs we used uh cnc machines to make uh grips wooden camera grips um for uh, micro four thirds uh, cameras and some dslr cameras um mostly uh, fuji and sony um i had always 
kind of been in love with just making stuff. Whenever I had a bunch of college roommates, you know, I spruced up our kitchen by making like a fucking wine rack or like one time I made this uh, like pot holder. So it held up all of our pots because we didn't have a ton of cabinet space. Uh, so I just made this thing and hung it up and I had, I made a coffee table for us for that house. It was like a uh, a leaf style coffee table did you have any background in uh, woodworking or you just like kind of that's where you like developed uh, somewhat of a passion or an interest yeah i built it up while i was at jp um i started buying tools and uh i mean just being around it all the time like i mean we didn't have a table saw or anything like that up there in the shop but we had a planer and i was able to design stuff with brady and uh just i mean come up with new ideas and you know working with him coming up with ideas for that business gave me ideas for stuff that i wanted to do outside of that and you know um really it started out of a way to for me to just have more income and it was kind of a side gig at first and uh it was like you know like i i mean i love working for brady but i really just wanted something for myself you know like i yeah he was really good to us and and gabby worked for him as well down in uh stillwater summit co but um you know i just i needed to build something of my own and um make something that was mine and uh yeah so i started just buying tools and I made a few little things here and there, like cutting boards and stuff like that. And then I started making like big furniture items, like uh, made some coffee tables. I made headboards. I built a uh, a bed frame, and yeah, it just kind of grew from there. Um, you know, I've done some uh, barn doors recently. Dude, those uh, barn doors turned out really pretty sweet. Yeah, it was. That was one thing I love about uh, your company or whatever you want to call it. Like, <laughs> it's just you. Let's be honest, but uh, that's what makes it cool. But like, the I love following your Instagram because, like, I think that project didn't go exactly the way you wanted it to go. But oh, you it hardly just, ever does. <laughs> yeah, but I, love, I mean, you'd like take it along. You're like, all right, well, that didn't exactly work the way I wanted to, so I'm gonna try this, and like, fingers crossed, it works. And yeah, I mean, it turn, it's part of like the handcrafted like furniture thing. You know, it's yeah. like it's not made by a machine. It's, I mean, I can't do things perfectly. I just, I can't. Right. You know? And you're I'm gonna mix and mixture, mixture just a little bit different each time. The wood's gonna be a little bit right. different each time. That's like, right. It's never like a you know, a, a laser, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's a person that's crafting mm-hmm. this. Well, that, I mean, that's what I like about it. It's like, you're honest about the process and like, if something fucks up, I make like, mistakes, man. It's, yeah. I mean, it's apparent in some of the work, you know, but I also make a point to fix it. And I mean, it's like, it is as good if, I mean, I, I'm really happy with those barn doors. I'm really happy with, like, I mean, everything that I make, I wouldn't let it out of my shop if I wasn't happy with it. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, even if it gets messed up while I'm in the process of making it, that process isn't over. And I mean, it's like I, I will work on the smallest details until I'm okay with them. That's Mm -hmm. just part of my like 
OCD tendency, man. It's yeah. like, I, I will make, make it okay. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> What's your best seller? Oh man, lately it has been the uh, magnetic poster hanger. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, yeah, it's uh, I've sold. I believe it. Yeah. Uh, th- I've sold three in the past week. Where do you want the company to go? Like, what's your goal with it? Um, you know, I really, really love my uh, Sugar Creek table. <laughs> She's a beaut. It is a uh, live edge glass uh, river table. Yeah. So uh, river table meaning it looks. It kind of emulates a river. It's got like a big glass piece that flows along the uh, live edge characteristics of that wood. Yeah. Um, I mean, talk about, okay, because the the table is a Sugar Creek table, uh which is a a river. Local river, yeah. Right out, I mean, very close to where we are right now. And you're only sourcing products from Arkansas. Yeah. 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 Maybe you talk about that because that's. I think that's important. I mean, that's part of your brand. (laughs) Yeah, I found these guys that um, they locally mill and kiln dry their wood, which means they they cut down trees that are from Arkansas. They um, cut them into slabs, and then they dry them there in their warehouse, which is maybe four times the size of this shop. So it's not very big at all. Um, it's probably, I mean, it's a big metal warehouse that a kiln is basically, I mean, their kilns are like a, uh, like a shipping container that just dries out the wood. So, I mean, they have two of those in there and they're probably like a half size shipping container, just full of slabs of wood. Hmm. Um, yeah, the, uh, the glass is hand cut. Um, I'm still learning how to do that. I cut part of the one for that table and the rest of it I let the pros do. Just hmm. I mean they're they're you don't want to mess up that piece of glass. Right, that's <laughs> hella expensive. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm still still learning a lot of the craft. Um Yeah. But yeah, I think That's a neat piece though, man. It really is. That's where I'd like to go. I yeah. mean tables and doors, I think. Um margins are a little bit better. Um I think I would be more well not that i'm proud of not proud of smaller pieces but i i really like a big show conversation piece hey gabby hey what's going on Nothing. Super awkward. <laughs> what time is it it's like oh that's lame <laughs> Ooh, we're almost done okay we're wrapping up um yeah so you're talking about going towards the table yeah, um yeah, I just I really like the idea and how the uh, those well, river river tables look. Dude, they're freaking awesome. <laughs> That's how they look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if someone like I mean, I follow you on Maker Racer or on Instagram at Maker Racer, which is great. I recommend I mean, we're talking about this sugar creek table. You should definitely go and like check it out because you have like tons of pictures on it. And it, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a work of art. Like it's freaking, it was a lot of work, but it was, it's really worth seeing the end result. Yeah. So if people want to like 
catch up with your company that you're doing now? Where, where do they, where's the best place for them to go? Um, you can go to makerandracer.com. Um, I have my own website. You can order stuff straight through there. Um, you can, Instagram is probably the best place to keep up with every day to day things. You know, I will post most builds unless like the sugar Creek table, for uh business reasons like i have to keep some of that a secret as far as the process but um most of what i post i will post the process and like you'll see everything from start to finish like me buying the piece of wood yeah to what it eventually turns into and i think that that is something that my clients really like to see is like exactly. you know, it's like oh wow this guy bought this piece of wood and this is what he turned it into. <laughs> like, yeah. So. It's, that's why I love your Instagram. That's exactly why. I mean, you know, for people listening, like you and I met through Instagram, like yeah. I followed you, yeah, you did. followed me. We started chatting a little bit. You're in Bella Vista. I'm, you know, and we just kind of, uh, but that's how I found you is just through following you on Instagram. I'm like, man, I was like fascinated by just watching the process. I love that you take people through like, from start to finish, but also like the fuck ups, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, nobody, I don't know, man, in this day and age, it's like, everybody just gives you like something polished and perfect. No, I mean, I, and that's I mean, not I, life, man. None I of us want to be real. I yeah. want to be real with everybody. And that's like, that's me as a person is I don't really care about the fake stuff. Like I, yeah. if I, if you're having a conversation with me, then I want to talk to you about what is real and what, like who you are as a person. And, you know, like I, I don't know, like I, obviously my work tells that same story, you know, like it's not perfect. And it's, I haven't made a perfect piece ever. (laughs) That's a handcrafted part of it. I mean, it should never, I mean, yeah, it's hard to define perfect whenever it's a handcrafted piece of whatever it is you're making, because part of handcrafted is that there are going to be imperfections. If you want it perfect, you'd, get a computer to do it for you, I guess. Right. I don't know, but I mean, yeah, yeah I genuinely am a, a, a fan of yours, both on the Thanks, bicycle man. and off of it. And I'm really I glad like that you. I like you too. <laughs> I'm glad we got a chance to talk today, man. I've, uh, whenever I realized that I'd be here on June 1st and knowing your history with, with this date, I definitely wanted to like, talk to you today if I could. So I appreciate you sharing your story, man. Yeah, I think you're coming over. It's an important one. I mean, if you, if you look at it from, you started riding in 2013 to four years later, you got second place in dirty Kansas after maybe dying, <laughs> maybe dying, maybe not dying. But that, I mean, that that's beyond impressive. And so, yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing your story because I, I think people need to hear that. I think people need to hear that life isn't always going to be easy, but if you work your ass off, you can accomplish something. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're always going to have adversity, man. And I mean, I I can give you tons of sob stories about that, but, you know, I mean, you just have to pick yourself up, you know, and uh, I don't know. I mean, you have all of these people that make you who you are. And it's important to know that you're not, you don't have to go through that stuff alone. Yeah. You know, and having Gabby there, having 
all of these other people there behind me is, I mean, it's a really big deal. You know, like I, I don't know. It just, uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, let's leave it there, man. <laughs> I'm looking forward to see what you do in the future, whether it's with your business or on the bike, you're not done. You got a lot to do. Well, thanks for having me, man. Let's drink a whiskey. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Thank y'all so much for tuning in and thank you to Thomas. I mean, he poured out his heart on this episode and it was, it was pretty powerful. You can really hear how important that was to him. And that importance comes from how much effort and time and how hard he worked and how he gutted himself to make that happen and to come back and to play second. Um, it's hard to put that into words, but I hope his emotions came through because, um, yeah, sometimes I think they, they speak louder than our words. And, uh, I, I think it tells a lot about the kind of person that he is. And Thomas is just a guy who picked up a bike in 2014, built it and dedicated himself to being as good as he could be. Um, bravo to him, man. So thanks again, Thomas. Thanks for coming on the show. All right, and one more time, if you like this kind of content, you want to support the show so I can keep it going, uh, head over to Patreon. You can find me there at Bikes or Death. If you want to keep up with the show, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Bikes or Death. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions for the show, I'm always open to that. I don't think that I have a monopoly on good ideas. I think that good ideas can come from anyone, anywhere, anytime. So if you uh, want to drop me a line, I'm always open. You can reach me on, like I said, Facebook, Instagram, or you can email me. Um, it's bikes at bikesordeath.com. All right. Y'all know what to do. Go ride your damn bike. <laughs>